Welcome to the latest episode of the Sorted Retail Sessions podcast. On this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Chris Highton. Chris is the head of Outbound Logistics at the Very Group. Chris, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here, Dan. Good stuff. So um, I think let's let's start, Chris, if if you will, with uh, telling us a little bit about what your role entails at the Very Group. Yeah, so uh, I'm responsible for really three things. I'm responsible for the, the relationship with our one-man carriers. Uh, obviously, the, the Very Group is a, a, a major online retailer uh, with, with a long history of distance retailing. You know, we've, we've got a legacy of, of, of catalogue uh, selling that, uh, that went up really until uh, about 10 years ago. Uh, and we have uh, long-standing relationships with Yodel, who are a sister company, and Royal Mail, as well as uh, a number of other smaller one-man carriers. So, uh, so I look after the relationships with those guys. Uh, I'm also responsible for the operational end of our relationships with about 300 dropship suppliers. Dropships are a very important part of, of what we do. In a normal year, it's probably a third of all our sales, although uh, in lockdown, it's, it's been as much as half of our sales. Uh, and, and those 300 partners are very important to us. Uh, but obviously, making sure that, that we have the right relationship with them and that they're delivering what they need to do operationally is, is, is really important. So I've got a team that looks after that. And then the third third part of what I do um, that covers both one man and a relationship with, with our two man carriers is uh, how we is, is our, it's our carrier management system and how we uh, best assign uh, carriers and services to all of the products all the orders that we dispatch in order to I guess to uh, optimize customer service costs goods lost in transit uh, and the various contractual uh, agreements we have with the different carriers that's um that's really helpful, that Chris. Thank you for taking us through that. Uh, so I was uh, I was reading some of your results uh, from 2020. Makes impressive reading. 25% year-on-year growth. 7.9 million parcels shipped in the run-up to Christmas, right up to the 22nd December, 7 p.m. Again, super impressive. I'm guessing you had a pretty hectic last 12 months. <laughs> oh yes, you could say so. Really, yeah. You know, we we. We're just over a year since the first lockdown was announced. Lockdown was announced, and uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a wild ride. Um, it's it's great to see such fantastic results. You're absolutely right. Um, it would have been nice if we'd uh, nice and I guess easy for us if we'd seen that uplift as a continual spread all the way across the year. But of course, that wasn't what happened. And what happened was when lockdown was announced, we had a massive spike in certain uh, categories. You know, one day it would be uh, it'd be home gym equipment, the next day it'd be dehumidifiers, the day after that it'd be PC equipment, uh, and uh, so one by one, uh, both our warehouses and our dropship partners got hit by uh, absolutely massive spikes in volume, which we then had to deal with. And of course, we also had to deal with uh, with, with challenges around. Uh, you know, sites having to close uh, because of uh, because of the impact of lockdown, um, spikes of, uh, of coronavirus infection, um, and uh, all of the precautions we had to put in place to make sure that we were protecting our 
our staff and, and, and our colleagues and, and those colleagues of, of our partners as, as much as we could as well. So uh, yeah, it was a wild and crazy time uh, and uh, a bit of a crazy peak as well and, and uh, a heck of a year to be putting a brand new warehouse in place as well. Yeah, I mean, that's that just sounds like a, a perfect storm of, of, of stuff going on. The, I think the really interesting bit in that is what you said around almost the unpredictability of, of certain categories of products. Yeah. So you had to deal with that. How, how, did, how did you deal with that? Well, uh, <laughs> with a great deal of difficulty in some cases, um, I, I guess we were set up for success because we, as I say, we have long-standing relationships with our carriers and also with many of our dropship partners. Um, and one of the beauties of, of having an operation that's partly under your own control um, with, with your own DC and partly um, out, shared with, with partners is that um, you can make use of a great deal of flexibility. So where, um, where we had, for example, um, well, one one example, really good example would be a partner we took on um, to sell to broaden our range. Initially, um, we took them on in, in January last year, uh, and they sold paint. And when we first started with them in January, they were sending out about fifty cans of paint a day, um, and uh, it was in addition to our range. It was putting our toe in the water. There, it was a, a, a test of of the product. Uh, and then lockdown came along, and that 50 cans of paint a day became 10,000. Now, if we'd had those in our warehouse, clearly we'd have burnt through the stock straight away, and, uh, and we'd have disappointed a load of customers. And uh, for the supplier, if they'd only been dispatching, creating 50 cans of paint a day, it would have been an absolute disaster because they'd never been able to keep up with demand. But what we had was a, a massive spike in demand, which coincided for the supplier with, of course, all the high street retailers shutting down. So they suddenly had a load of pain with nowhere to go. You put those two together and actually you've got a, a pretty good result for both us and for the supplier. Um, so uh, you know, the fact that we then had to liaise with the carrier and say, you know, that van that comes in and picks up a few cans of paint every day, can you make it a couple of trailers, please? Well, that, that becomes a, quite a nice problem to have, doesn't it, for all of us? So um, we've had to think on our feet. Um, we've had to make use of the flexibility that's inherent in our model. But um, because of that flexibility, and uh, to some extent actually with a, a little bit of luck because we, we were bringing a new warehouse online and therefore we had the power, power and capability of the new warehouse alongside a fully staffed existing warehouse, which again gave us, gave us a little bit of flexibility. So we were, we were able to to play tunes, react to the demand, and continue to deliver really great service to our customers. Yes, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, the paint cans one, uh, the paint can story is is particularly pertinent. I can imagine that was, uh, yeah, one of the few things we were allowed to do this time last year. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, good stuff. Uh, the 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 you know you mentioned you know you've got you've got. Um, Kind of long-standing relationships with with carrier partners and kind of the dropship partners as well. Um, I mean, of course, it's not just been COVID that that you've been battling with over the last twelve months. You know, Brexit has been thrown in there for good measure as well. How how do you feel um, the carriers, uh, in particular, have have kind of navigated those two things? Brexit, Brexit, and uh, yeah, and COVID. 
uh, been some massive challenges for the for the carriers. And I think, by and large, they've uh, they've responded very very well. I think we were all wrong-footed by COVID when it started, and uh, uh, very few of us actually force, foresaw the massive boom in online shopping that would happen as a result. I know many carriers were, were actually looking at downscaling their operations at the start of COVID on the, on the expectation that volumes would decrease. And, and they all had to uh, rapidly change gear uh, and, and expand their operations. And I think in terms of COVID, I think the carriers have done really, really well. Um, they've continued to, uh, to, to expand their operations to, to match demand. They've had the ability to bring people on on a temporary basis from careers and, and, and other sort of forms of employment that might otherwise have have uh, left them left people without work. So uh, taxi drivers, for example, was a really good example. Uh, people who, who are really familiar with a particular area, very good at driving, very familiar with, with all they need to do to get from A, from B, a to B, and suddenly they had nothing to do. And yeah, there's delivery companies crying out for for people to deliver parcels. So we saw a lot of taxi drivers moving into the delivery companies, and uh, I think the response to that, the onboarding, the uh, again the precautions they put in place to protect customers and to protect their colleagues were were second to none. So I was very impressed. I think uh, Brexit was a bit more difficult. Uh, it, it was a challenge that wasn't of, of the carriers making, wasn't of our making, and. I think it's fair to say the the government uh, was was making policy uh, not quite on the hoof, but uh, but with very short notice. And uh, as Brexit bore down on us, there's still a couple of months before it actually happened. We weren't clear on what we would have to do. And to some extent, here we are, three four months later, um, and some of that policy still hasn't been defined. Particularly thinking about Northern Ireland, where uh, where we're still. Uh, as a dispatcher of parcels, we're still up in the air about what exactly the HMRC regulations and requirements are going to be. So, given all that context, I think the carriers did as well as could possibly have been expected. But as well as could have been expected, doesn't necessarily result in great customer experience. And certainly January, I think, for pretty much all carriers and all online retailers was very, very difficult if you were trying to dispatch parcels to the continent or, or to Ireland. We, we've got a brand in Ireland and we, you know, we, we really suffered some, uh, some teething issues trying to get product through customs to start with. Glad to say that's all been resolved now, products flowing uh, absolutely smoothly as, as you, you know, you'd expect it to be and we're back to the proposition that we were offering our customers pre-Brexit, but it was a tough time. And uh, we're really pleased that we've got some some very good carriers, good partners that we work with in the UK and Ireland that, that have helped us uh, build solutions that that kept that product flowing. Yeah, I think when we've from certainly from the conversations that that we've had in our business with uh, with, with other businesses, uh, that problem has, has has been a real a real challenge for them. So um, definitely uh, a lot of people with a lot of empathy for, for navigating that Northern Ireland issue uh, at the moment. Um, one thing that, uh, a phrase that you've mentioned a couple of times is kind of customer experience and customer satisfaction. So I, I'm curious, in your kind of, your role as, as head of outbound logistics, kind of how much, how, how important is customer experience for you in, in what you do day to day operationally? What does it figure? 
it's it's right up there there's only really two major metrics that i'm i'm looking at cost and customer experience uh, and and they play really equally into my thinking um obviously cost is important to any business but cost without delivering the right customer experience we'll lose customers and it's much much more expensive to recruit a customer than it is to keep one uh, equally if you get you know, firm believers that if you drive the right customer experience and you, you think hard about how you're going to deliver uh, deliver your product and get your product back how you join the whole process up you actually build a, a process that not only delivers the right customer experience but actually becomes quite efficient as a result so i don't think that there's a, a real contention between cost and customer experience i think if you do to do the job right you can deliver both and it's hugely important to us that the the one key metric that we talk about uh, is broken promises and uh, we believe that that every time the customer orders an item and we give them a date by which it's going to be delivered that that's a promise so really we measure every single item against the original date not not only updated dates the original date we gave to the customer and we we treat ourselves very harshly so when we don't count it as a success unless the item is actually in the customer's hands by that day um, we do have a business-wide nps measure um, and we break that down into customer satisfaction and we we survey our customers at lots of different touch points so I have a very good idea of what drives customer satisfaction and dissatisfaction about my deliveries. Um, and uh, between that customer satisfaction measure and broken promises, we really, we really have a, a really clear, simple to understand and consistent measure that we, we actually talk to across the whole business. You know, and, and if, uh, you know, is a business clearly we talk about financial results but everybody in our business is fully familiar with NPS and is familiar with broken promises as a metric and we're all working hard to deliver those that's really interesting that focus um around the customer and, and you know super refreshing to hear as a customer as well um from with, with that kind of customer experience hat on then um do you think customer sort of expectations of delivery have changed are changing yes um, it's it's i find it really interesting that uh, how customer experience and, and and customer expectations really work hand in hand and, and progress hand in hand so i've been in the business a long while just over 30 years now when i first started we were talking about allow 28 days for delivery Deliveries were on track, um, you know, and you you, you just uh, the driver rocked up when he rocked up. Uh, if you compare that to where we are now, with uh, you know the expectation really being next day or very quick delivery, um, to have a series of options about uh, about where the delivery can be left, including at uh, pedos, click and collect stores. Um, the ability to to see exactly where your parcel is in real time and not only that to be able to change your mind in flight and say well I'm, I know you expected to deliver it on Wednesday but I wanted to deliver it on Thursday or I wanted to deliver it to a different address or can you send it to the post office can you send it to collect plus store um, the, the fact that we've given customers so much visibility and so much control 
has driven great customer experience, but it's also just driven that expectation as well. Um, so that now, you know, these things become table stakes, and you really, you really uh, can't can't be offering a, a great customer experience, and you won't be getting good feedback unless you offer them. Um, so, so to some extent, experience and and uh, expectation go hand in hand, and therefore the experience we've been delivering over lockdown, which clearly has changed, has also changed expectation. Uh, customers at home much more. And so we're seeing uh, much less use of click and collect stores. We're seeing uh, a different use of these in-flight uh, in-flight in capabilities through our carriers. Um, we're seeing much more safe place. And of course, customers are now no longer signing for parcels. Uh, and that's that's changed expectation around delivery as well. Uh, so to, to some extent, I would say, uh, lockdown has actually made our lives a little bit easier, um, and of course, I don't like that. Uh, I, I, I don't pass that uh, on to our carriers or to my team, <laughs> because clearly uh, we've got to keep working hard all the way through lockdown to make sure that we come out the other side with uh, with a fantastic customer experience and ready to take on the challenges that uh, that we were facing prior to lockdown. But actually, the fact that so many customers are in there. Um, and uh, you know it, that certainly makes life easier for the carriers, and it makes life easier for us. Uh, and uh, the fact that the carriers are no longer getting signatures again it becomes easier. So, uh, so we're see, we've seen an improved first-time hit rate within our carriers, and that's something we actively want to maintain as we as customers start to uh, to, to leave them and go back to work. You might be able to hear some. Um machinery in the background so if you can i apologize for that the neighbors decided to start doing some diy midway through the conversation but such is the joys of home working that's <laughs> um, yeah, fine cool so okay so we talked about uh delivery expectations uh there i guess taking that on a step i'm sure there are millions of challenges that you're wrestling with day to day right now what what would you say is the is the biggest one? What's the one that's keeping you up at night at the minute around kind of delivery expectations, delivery operations? Uh, I guess we touched on with delivery operations um, the, uh, the the challenge of forecasting, particularly as, as lockdown started. Um, whilst we don't don't see that spikiness that we did see uh, at the start of lockdown, I am concerned that at some point there will be a, there'll be an inflection. Uh, and we'll go back to the dynamics we saw pre-lockdown. Um, and if that happens slowly, uh, it'll be nice and easy to manage, but I get the impression that it will happen quite quickly at some point in the next few months. Uh, and we'll see uh, suddenly a, a, a big take-up in uh, click and collect, uh, big changes in the way customers order, the time-to-day customers order, the, uh, the products customers order, all of which are slightly different during lockdown. Uh, so we have to be ready for that. And what's keeping me awake at night is uh, how we spot that coming and what we need to do to, uh, to make sure that, that that doesn't destabilize the delivery operation when it arrives. It's almost the, the inverse of last year, really. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Interesting, interesting. Cool. Okay, so it's going to change change gears a little bit. Um, I'm curious um, to, to kind of know whether there are any um, other brands or players in the market that, that you 
you know, in your role in a very successful e-commerce brand, kind of look up to? Is there you, in other words, is there anyone you kind of consider as outstanding at, 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 at kind of delivery experience and expectation management? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think it would be uh, be a foolish person who, who didn't look around them and uh, try to take the best of, of what they saw. Uh, and, and of course, there's there's a lot of retailers out there who do uh, do a great job. You, know, you tend to think of uh, Amazon. Uh, you know, we all wish we had their scale. We all wish we had their uh, the resources that they've got to to, to throw at things. And and I think realistically, uh, most of us wish that if we were, you know, wish we were big enough that we had our own carrier. You know that, that we were. Uh, that we had uh, warehouses spread around the country within uh, within an hour of our customer base, uh, uh, and you've you've got to envy that scale um, and what they've done with it. Uh, I think there are also a lot of smaller retailers. Uh, everybody's smaller than Amazon, I guess, but uh, but at this, this sort of small to medium end of of the scale, who uh, who really put a lot of focus uh, in. Uh, into delivering a, a, not necessarily always the fastest but the most considered customer experience um, and customers do like to feel that they're, they're not just a number that that somebody is actually uh, looking out for them uh, if I was going to call out particular retailers at a similar sort of size to us um, there's some specialists so AO.com we always look at their customer service and what they've done there and how they empower their advisors to uh, to own a problem, uh, take it through to resolution. Uh, that's that's always very impressive. Uh, and again, there's another retailer who uh, who owns their own carrier. Um, but I think uh, I think there's now very few retailers who don't get online. And the one thing I've been really pleased to see over the course of the last 12 months is that many of the retailers who, who were still facing the high street and really didn't get a lot of that online customer experience uh, have really turned 360. And now you're really hard pressed to find a retailer who doesn't get the fact that you've got to set your carriers up for success, you've got to capture the right information from the customer, you've got to communicate in the right way to the customer, uh, and you've got to be there for them when they've got a query. Uh, so, uh, so actually, I'm, I'm, although I've pulled out a few examples to answer your question, probably the most impressive thing is the way the market has levelled up. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of success stories out there, um, and, and tons of innovation. You know, um, ship from anywhere is, is 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 a great example of those retailers that that are kind of multi-channel, uh, adapting to to what's been thrown at them. Uh, so so yeah, some interesting stuff going on. So uh, last last question from from me, Chris, and and I'll admit it's it's a thoroughly selfish one. Um, it's in a similar vein to the previous one. Is there anyone you think we should get on this podcast that would be uh, that would have some really cool insights to to share? Well, um, one of the th- one of the uh, one of the obvious ones that springs to mind is somebody you've just brought on board. Uh, so uh, I go back quite a long way with uh, Ed Osborne. Um, you know, he's he's seen a, a lot of uh, a lot of different major retailers in his time. Uh, I know he's worked for, uh, for Tesco, he's worked for John Lewis and a number of others. 
uh, and he's got a lot of experience in the dropship world as well as the carrier world. Uh, so uh, he'd be a great person to uh, to have on board. Uh, maybe uh, maybe, he'll, maybe hear what he's got to say. I'm always interested to hear what my colleagues in the um, peers in the industry have to say. But actually, there's there's probably some um, some real opportunities to talk to some of the operational leaders in the carrier world as well. Um, Carl Moore, COO at Yodel, is somebody that uh, that I uh, have a lot of time for. Um, Nick Landon in uh, Royal Mail, and, and you could probably name a number of others. So, uh, so for me, you know that that mix of carrier op- carrier operators, op- sorry, operators rather than rather than the, the commercial directors, um, and uh, uh, and a good mix of retailers would be uh, the thing that interests me perfect yeah i'm uh, i'm working on ed to try and get him on here um so he's he's on the radar i agree i think you'd have some uh, some some interesting uh, points of view to to share chris i really appreciate you uh taking time out of your out of your schedule uh to to have a chat with us for the retail sessions podcast it's been a pleasure that's it for this episode of the sorted retail sessions podcast we've got loads more awesome guests lined up so make sure you subscribe and follow to keep up to date and don't forget the discussion continues over on twitter linkedin instagram and facebook too find us at sorted official